Testing, testing. Okay. I forgot to put my mic on, so I'm going to use this today. I was ready. <laughs> I was ready to be in here and worship, and then I was like, oh, I realized I didn't have my mic on. So, is it my Bible? I'm not paying attention this morning. All right. Amen. We love you, Jesus. Wow, isn't it fun to be with Him? Just so fun to be with Him. Church was never intended to be done without Him. Never. You can't be the church without Him, actually. You're just a gathering of people. And just He's he's in here. And one of the things I just want to encourage you as a people, as a body of believers, a community of pursuers, is that it's like it's not just the worship when He's here. But he's in here. And to the young lady who just came up and just received the Lord this morning, I just want to want you to know all things are new. That's the promise, that he makes all things new. You're new. Your circumstances are new. Everything is new because that's who he is. And we just have to believe that this morning. So as Chris said, that Elizabeth and I are just getting back from two and a half weeks in Europe and four nations and a whole bunch of meeting amazing, incredible, godly people who are on fire for Jesus all over the world. And I just want to say this. God is moving on the earth. And there is a hunger for Jesus that that I, I believe this, that globally we've never seen before. We've seen pockets in the United States and we've seen pockets in other places, but the universal move of Jesus is happening. And he is looking to capture nations just like he's looking to capture people. And there are there are people who are so believing for the move of God in their nation, in their cities. And I just want to encourage you, we are we are part of something amazing. Those who are believing can God change a nation. In a day. Yeah, he can, just so you know. And I, I believe this. I, I've come back totally ruined with this thought that we are carriers of revival. And we are going to see a transformational revival, not some four day meeting of revival meetings, but a true move of the Holy Spirit that captures our region, captures our nation captures a generation and I believe this if we'll believe big he wants the whole earth it's his already the earth is the Lord's right that's already a declaration the earth is the Lord's there's another declaration that says the whole earth is covered with the glory of God he's just looking for a church that will believe something big and so I think Elizabeth's going to come up and share something do you want to do that now or do you want me to go yeah go ahead all right cool uh, we have since we were in four nations, we have to get our stories together. Who's telling what? <laughs> it was a lot happening. <laughs> it was really, really awesome. But um, I just want to share one really special thing that happened for me when uh, we were in the Ukraine, which is where we ended in Ukraine. Um, but uh, we were with um, the whole church at a camp by the river for a couple of days and it was their 20th celebration, their 20th year anniversary for the church. So it was really special. That's actually why they asked us to be there 
on those dates because um, we got to share and prophesy and just speak into their leaders and into the church. It was a really special time. But afterwards, we were having lunch. We were packing up. And um, Lena has a very big family. Uh, you, everybody, most of you have heard us talk about Igor and Lena. They are the pastors of Life of Jesus Church in Zoltivori, Ukraine. But uh, Lena comes from a, a pretty big family, and her parents are actually believers um, and while the Soviet Union was still a ruling, if I could say it that way, um, through the 80s. And then, of course, when Lena was, she's about my age, so <clears throat> when she was young, she remembers still some of the persecution that they endured. She endured it in school. Because if you were a believer, even in school, they would punish you. The teachers would punish you. If you made a good grade on a test, you would still not get an A. Those kinds of things were happening, and she was five. All right, so there's a lot going on. But anyway, I'd never gotten to meet. We'd never gotten to meet. You, well, maybe you had. You hadn't, had you? Her mom? No. So her mom came out to the camp. She is 85 I want to say, I think it was 85. And uh, she came with one of her other daughters, and they wanted to celebrate with uh, Igor and Lena a little bit. And so we, we got to just speak with her a little bit. And um, I asked Lena, you know, if she would translate, because I, I really, I, I was already weeping before we had said anything. The, the, the anointing was very special that she carried in the breakthrough because she lived under a persecuted church. She lived during the time when, you know, it was not allowed. You were not allowed to be spirit-filled. You were not allowed really to be a believer um, uh, in fullness. So uh, anyway, I, I began to speak with her, and I just asked her if she would bless us, if she would lay her hands on us and just pray. And um, she said this. She said, you know, I don't remember much these days, but... I remember my baptism like it was yesterday. She was 19 years old, and she, was, she went to church, and um, she received Jesus that day. And so they um, asked her, you know, if she wanted to be baptized, and they took her. It was at night. They had to go at night because, it, you know, so that people couldn't see. But they took her at night, and they baptized her. And she said that when she was going into the water, she looked up, and all she could see were the stars, just the stars filling the sky. And she told me, every time I look at the stars, I think of this day because it was like the stars were singing to me. And she went under the water and came out, and the church that was there began to sing a song. And uh, it was a special song of baptism, basically, that the church during that time was singing. And so we were sitting there, and she began to sing that song. And it was, <laughs> it was the most holy moment. It was a holy moment. That's the best way I know how to describe it because there was a woman that endured persecution, you know, but that is what she, her salvation was so sure. She loved Jesus so much. She was willing to be persecuted for his namesake. She was willing to suffer and allow her children to, be suffer, to suffer as well. If you can imagine that, parents. And that is what she remembered. And as she sang over us, I, I don't even know what, were you, I don't know what you were doing. I was sobbing. I was uncontrollably sobbing. It was messy. <laughs> it was real messy. 
I don't know how, I, I don't know. We were just sitting there. And, and, and in that moment, I just felt like God, what God was speaking to me, what, you know, and when we were done, I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would do the same. I believe that I would, but I haven't had the privilege of being persecuted <laughs> for loving Jesus. But I know this, that I believe that the gospel that we hand people must be worth something. Because if it is not, then in the day of persecution, which Jesus said would come, what do we have to show for it? Yeah, yeah. A Sunday morning service, a club where we hang out, a few friends that say Jesus every now and then? No. I know that my gospel is powerful. It's life-changing. It's transformational. It's the passion of Jesus that consumes us from the inside out as we receive his precious love. And even as we took communion today, remembering the suffering that he endured for our sake, are we willing to do the same? Do you have a gospel that's that powerful in your life? If not, I challenge you today. I challenge you. If you need to think about the persecuted church, I wish you could have all been there, and I hope I've done a good job describing it. But all I know is that, yes, that my, that's my Jesus. That's what I was thinking. That is my Jesus. That is my Jesus. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just I want to share I want to I want to share about a leaders meeting that we were in. I I love doing meetings. I love when the church is gathered, but I love getting together with leaders because you're getting to talk to all of their people at the same time. And in Ukraine right now, there's just there's a real sense of it. I mean, hope is the answer to Ukraine because the economy is just a mess, and they've had uh, over uh, 20% of their people have migrated to Western Europe looking for work, and so uh, there's just there's a lot of void. There's a lot of void in the church. The church is trying to figure out what to do. They've lost, you know quite a few of their people. And, and But more than that, there's not a sense of hope in the nation. I mean, that's a problem. And when the church is looking for hope instead of being hope, that's a problem. But but there's there's carriers of hope in it. They just They just need to be encouraged. And so we were there and just loving on them and we were hearing a little bit of their story and we were, honestly, we were just talking about revival. This revival, the pursuit of Jesus and Jesus showing up and changing society and the economy. And those, those are realities. Those are revival realities, like changing society, changing what it looks like. You know, they were just trying to talk about how worldly it is. And I said, it's not worse than Corinthians. So don't, don't get lost in the idea it's so hard or it's so big or it's so hard. It just takes hope. And if we just begin to talk about revival God was there is the best way I know how to describe it. In this little tent at a camp next to the river in, U- in, in the middle of Ukraine. And we started talking. And then all of a sudden, something began to happen. And one of them mentioned the year they were saved. And then another one mentioned it. And I, I said, would you pause right there? Everyone go around the table and just mention the years that you were saved. It was all pastors there. And, and I said, what, what years were you saved? And they went around the table 
And one by one, they sit here in a three-year span from 93 to 96, everyone sitting at a table besides Lena had been saved. And as they begin to do it, testimony started happening. You could hear it. They were just saying the year that they were saved and heaven was dropping in. Why? Because he was reminding them the power of the gospel. He was reminding them the power of hope. He was reminding them the taste of freedom. He was reminding them, and all of a sudden, one of them cries out, Do it again, God! And it just began to rise up, and they began, and I just began to talk to them a little bit about, Hey, God is wanting to do it again, and He wants you to be a people who will just believe that again. And I want to tell you today, God is wanting to do it again here. He's wanting to do it for our nation. And Elizabeth and I have been talking the last two weeks with leaders talking about great awakenings and what it looks like for a nation to be transformed by a great awakening. And I believe this, that you guys are the forerunners of a great awakening in our nation. And we have to believe for something big. See, see, it, it's easy to believe for small things. It really is. And it's easy, it's very easy to believe when it's happening. Jesus, it's like when Jesus said, it's easy to love people who love you. It's easy to believe, when, but it's, 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 it's our honor to believe before we've seen it. It's our glory to believe before we've ever tasted of what we're believing for. And so today I, I want to talk to you just for just a minute about promises from God for your life, for your children, for your marriage, for your destiny, for your purpose. Promises. Promises are made, they are put into us to stir something of belief that we cannot do on our own. And just as as we were traveling around, I just heard the Lord speak this phrase to me, and it was interesting because oftentimes when the Lord is speaking to me, it's something new and I'm writing it down, and then I heard this phrase, don't discount the seeds. And I knew I I had written that down somewhere, so I typed it in and thank God for search engines these days, and it came up and there was a phrase that I had, I had heard three years ago, and I heard the Lord say, don't discount the seeds. And then I thought of that verse in Luke 8, 11, where it says that, let me just read it to you. It's so good. It says, the meaning of the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. And I believe that there are promises and the Word of God, not the Logos Word. The written Word is a full promise to all of us to explain the love story of God. But the rhema word are words that are ours, that we get to walk through. They come in alive and they says, here, this is your word, now walk in it. It's yours forever. It's a promise from God. See, it's one thing, like, let me just use this verse as an example. Train up a child in the way it should go and he will not depart from it, right? That's a Logos word. It is a promise from God that if we will train our children correctly, they will pursue him forever. But the rhema in that is when God speaks to you and says, you have trained up your child well, and they will pursue me forever. Then it becomes a promise that says, God has said, it is now our promise to do this. The difference is one becomes now very personal to you. It is a promise that goes deep into your heart and says, it doesn't matter, hell or high water, this is happening. And I believe this, that there are seeds in you Right now, promises of God, whether you believed in them or not, 
whether you have laid them down or not, whether you think they're dead or not, they are seeds on the inside of you. They are promises of God that He's saying, don't discount the seed. Don't discount what I've got for you. Don't discount the words of God. The same Word of God that created the heaven and earth is the same Word that spoke your promise. Now, how many of you have a promise from God? Most. I want to tell you that every one of you in here have a promise from God. There are seeds in you. Psalms 145.13 says this. It says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does. I want to encourage you that the promises on the inside of you are reliant on the Lord. They're reliant on His trustworthiness. They're reliant. He has put them in you and He's saying, now I want to prove to you I am trustworthy. Or let me just say it in another way. I'm worthy of your trust. I'm worthy of your trust. You can trust me in those promises. You can trust me in the seeds. And, and as I begin to dig into the word promises a little bit, it actually means this. It means that they are, defi- they are divine assurances of heaven. Promises are God coming and He's saying, I want to put divine assurance in you that I am who I say that I am. I will do what I have said I'm going to do. I'm going to put assurance in you. It's the same word I talked about three weeks ago where He says, I'm going to fill you up. I'm going to cram you full with belief. We've put belief in our, in our department when I want to tell you that God has decided He wants to be part of the belief equation in your life. He wants to fill you up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to put it in you. You will trust me. I'm going to show you that I'm trustworthy. See, because we, we've put too much of the trust on us. Like, well, I'm just having a hard time trusting God. Let Him speak to you. Let Him show you. Let Him build something in you of history where you don't have a hard time trusting. I'm going after distrust today. Say, what's well, my right to distrust? Or he hasn't been worthy of my trust. Or he hasn't proved himself. Hang in there. He will. I wrote this down. I said, the enemy is always challenging the promises of God. And, and we've been so strange about, well, God just hadn't fulfilled his promise. Maybe the enemy is directly challenging the promises of God in your life. I mean, we're living in a season of challenge. We have declared this place a cancer-free zone. It is. It is a cancer-free zone. This is a place where miracles happen. This is a place where people come to get prayed for and they're healed. Not a pastoral care like, oh, let me rub your face and make you feel better and hopefully you you survive this. No, a place where the power of God comes out of us and the virtue of heaven goes into them and it changes their lives. We have determined that. Why? Because it's the Bible. You can quote anything else to me, but the Bible says He heals. The Bible says he died for it. The Bible says, so you can make up your own theology, but the Bible says he's healer. And so we have decided to live like that. And not just be one who believe in it, but actually do it. And we have been challenged. It is a cancer-free zone. Why? Because he said, declare it. It's a promise. The promise that everyone that walks on this This eight acres is healed. It's a promise that you are going to live in kingdom health. We're all going to die strong. Then say we're going to live forever. But we're going to when they when we die, they're going to go, I was shocked. 
We're going to be like Caleb, as vigorous as we were the day we received the promise. And we have been challenged in that. And as I begin to talk to people in different nations about our challenge, I use it to encourage them that we have not given up. Isn't that right, John? We have not given up. You know what Leisha's last words to me were? She whispered into my ear, don't you? We could have made up an excuse. God's not healer. Or the promises, they're not true. But instead, in faith, we say we choose to believe. And I share this with our, our leaders. I believe this, that the spirit of excellence is actually to believe when we have not seen it before. The spirit of excellence is to believe in the promises even when we haven't seen it. That's why it was credited to Abraham righteousness that he believed before he could even see it. And good news, Abraham messed up a bunch of times on the journey. He tried to make it happen. How many of you done that? We're still at war for his mistake. It's okay. He tried to give his wife to another king because he was afraid. Most of us in church are like, get him out. And Jesus credited to him as righteous. Why? Because the promise that he believed in determined, it was the end result that determined the journey. And God said, I call his journey righteous because he believed. Didn't do everything perfect, he believed. It was excellence in him to believe that he was the father of nations before he ever had a child. Think about the promise. God took him out and said, hey, look at these stars. He said, now every night when you walk out and look at the stars, he said, I want you to be full of faith to believe the promise. It's your excellence to give me trust right now and believe I will do it. And I want to tell you today as a people, God is calling us to an excellence that the seeds on the inside of us are going to bear fruit. The seeds of promise of your family, the seeds of promise of your destiny, your ministries, your breakthroughs, the seeds that we have promised for us about the city, the seeds we have promised about what God's going to do in here. Man, it was so glorious in here today. Goodness. I want everyone to experience that glory. I want everyone to come in. And we have promises that people cannot come down Davis Lane. That there's so many people waiting to experience the glory of God in here. See, we don't, we've got to remember that the promises are seeds. Will you believe it or not? There was a Sunday four weeks ago in here where there were hardly anyone here. I was like, holy moly. Everyone went on vacation on one day. Father's Day is terrible. And I heard the Lord say to me, will you believe? See, I'm not a robot. I know how many people are here. We don't count. I don't have to count. I know I get to stand up here and see. And the Lord was like, will you believe? And it's easy. Some of you are like, oh, I wish there were more people there. I wish you, oh, man, it was, it was just so hard in there today. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, there's different promises in here. God has said, we are carriers of revival. We will see our city transformed. Why? Because we're transformed people equipped to transform our world. We're carriers of revival. Listen, if you don't like talking about revival, you're not going to like it here. Because you are one. 
to you, I don't feel like one. You don't get to choose. The minute you came in the kingdom, you became a carrier of revival. And, and God is like, I've got these seeds in you. Seeds that are unperishable. You know they found seeds in a Pharaoh's tomb? 4,000 years old, and they planted them. I'm sure that was a discussion. We would like to plant these. Archaeologists are like, no. But someone decided, let's see if there's still life in them. 4,000 years ago, they put them in the ground. They watered them, and what happened? Pure wheat. Perfect wheat. Undefiled by the, undefiled by the world. The promises on the inside of you now are being protected by God. They're undefiled. They're in you right now. And God said, when they come up, the fruit is not going to have the tainting of the world on it. It's going to have everything you need. And these promises, they're so true. So we've got 16 minutes to do four verses. I will warn you, this took me two hours the other day. I did it in two pieces. But I had Lena, and she was translating. And she's a little bit of a preacher, too. So sometimes I stop, and she just keeps rolling. First thing, so turn with me to Luke one forty-five. This is Mary. How do you know that took some belief? Hey, you're a virgin. You're going to have a child. Oh, by the way, he's the son of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. What a promise. But the first thing, the first point today is promises release us into belief. Blessed is he, is she, he, she, who, is, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Promises come with the power to believe. It's not like, hey, Keith, I'm going to lob this promise over here to you. Now you stir up some belief. No, the promise is powerful. It's full of the anointing of God. It's full of heaven's delight. It's full of heaven's purpose. And it goes into us. And it it begins to create something to believe beyond what you've ever believed before. Now it's our glory to get to partner with that. And believe in it. But I wrote this down. Promises seem impossible in the natural. The promises you have about your destiny, about, about things in your life, it's really easy to get discouraged at them looking at them naturally. And, and here's why I believe this. is because that the truth is promises are born in the supernatural realm. It's the realm that's actually more of a reality of God than what we're living in right here. It's what we don't see. And God says, I birthed those promises there. And so what I want to tell you is that the belief that God is requiring is supernatural. The belief He's wanting you to move into is, is the realm where you see His possibility in everything. Where she's saying, with God, all things are possible, right? And it was her, it was her belief system it was that, that brought a blessing on her life. But it requires belief. I'm talking about an atmosphere for those seeds in you to come alive right now. Just believe again. Believe again. He wants to do it again. What's He want to do? He wants to give you the promises again. Don't you love Abraham's story? God over and over told him the promise. Why? Because He needed it. There were moments He was like, man, this is not happening. And God says, oh yes it is. Oh, I'm going to cut covenant with you. I'm going to come and swear by myself that I will do it. Why? Because Abraham needed encouragement in the belief system. 
I want to encourage you today. If you're just like, man, I just, my belief, I tried and it just didn't work and I just can't believe anymore. Let him speak to you. Let him come and cut covenant with you again and say, I promise it will happen. I won't promise you how it will happen. I don't have to tell you how it will happen. It will happen. He didn't tell him, you will have Isaac and Isaac will have Jacob and Jacob will have 12 sons. That would have made a little more sense. Like, oh yeah, I think I can believe for that. No, it was requiring a belief in something he could not understand in the natural. Second thing. I'm skipping giant chunks here. Endurance is part of the plan. Endurance or patience or perseverance. See, it's not just your belief. It's will you keep believing? Will you believe when it's hard? Will you believe when it doesn't make sense? Will you believe when the enemy is challenging you instead of unlike, oh, the enemy won. Say, I choose to believe, and you immediately move into victory. You immediately move into a belief system that cannot be overcome by anything the challenge of the enemy. Endurance is part of the plan. Romans 4, I've got to do these quick. Romans 4, 20, 21. This is about Abraham. It said, Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise, but he strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He was fully persuaded. And what was he persuaded in? Not in his ability to fulfill the promise. Not in his ability to birth children. He was fully persuaded in the power of God to do it. I believe this, that the biggest problem the church has had in carrying out the promises of God is they've tried to see how they can fulfill the promises of God. And they have gotten tired and weary and laid it down. And Jesus is like, I never intended you to carry that without me. Because I have power to fulfill it. And endurance is part of it. Listen, the seed on the inside of you is creating a value system. It's creating something of heaven on the inside of you. If He gave us everything we asked for immediately, we would never wonder if He was trustworthy. But as it goes in us, it begins to create an atmosphere of belief and love and it actually moves us into the pleasure of God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so as we believe when we're not seeing it, we move into His pleasure. And as you endure... And listen, now I'm going to attack something real quick because I, I really hate when most people talk about endurance because they move it right into the natural realm. It's, it's like Damaris had a coach that used to yell, try harder. Good old Nick, right, Damaris? She said he was a terrible person. Honestly, I, I, I never disagreed with that statement often because try harder is not something you need to hear in the middle of the game. Try harder. When you're out there trying with everything in you. There's 100% of you going out in belief. And, and, and it's like, try harder. Endure more. And you say, well, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Listen, suffering right there in that word means tension. There's a place where you're encountering Jesus. So you begin to understand what he went through. And you get to reap the benefit of all of it. Endurance is Supernatural. It is waiting in the supernatural. And y'all know this. In the Hebrew, the word for waiting means to tie yourself to Him. And as you endure, it is not something where I've just got to pull, 
myself up by my bootstraps and just endure and be strong when I don't feel like it. No, waiting is being with Him. And in it, you're encountering Him and you're, you're experiencing Him. And the seed on the inside of you is producing life. And all of a sudden, you're like, I believe even when I don't see it. It's a supernatural endurance. And then, it, and then it's got these two amazing words that it talks about here. It says that He did not waver. How many ever wavered in the promise? All of us. If you didn't raise your hand, your arms just must be numb. Because all of us have wavered in the promise. Even Abraham wavered in the promise, yet it says he didn't. Why is that? Because his belief in what God was doing, God overlooked the moments of wavering. I'm trying to teach you, you don't have to be perfect in the journey. I'm trying to teach you that it's your glory to believe. And get credit to his righteousness. And it says he did not waver. The Hebrew, I mean the Greek word right there means this. He did not separate himself from the truth. Listen, the key to staying in belief is whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe Jesus' report? Listen, it's super easy to believe the world's report. As we sat with those pastors in Ukraine and they told, but listen, they're, they're believing, they're, they're, they're looking for hope. But if they, as they begin to share what was going on in their nation, it was easy to say, ooh, that's hard. Actually, it was super easy. It didn't take any faith to believe that. But you had to get yourself over here into a different place where you would not separate yourself from the truth that God is for a nation. God has the ability to restore an economy and a church and people that are hurting in a moment. But you have to believe that. Or, or it just begins to say, oh, it's not, it's not possible. Listen, for our nation, what are you going to believe? Facebook? I'm on Facebook. I know most of you are too. I see what you write. I don't write much because I don't want you to remember. But I'm on there. What are you going to do? You're going to believe the report of the world? Or God's report? See, I believe that Jesus has one report for America. That it was birthed in revival. It will carry revival. And it will help change the destiny of the world. Listen, when we go to the places, people honor us for being Americans. And saying, hey, the gospel returned to our nation through missionaries. I know people that rushed to the former Soviet Union the moment it closed from America. Why? Because they believed that we had something to offer. Do you believe the report of the Lord today? The second thing is this. It says he was fully persuaded. I love what he was fully persuaded in, though, in the power of God. And the word fully persuaded means this, that he was willing to carry it to the end. To the end. That's why it's credited to him righteousness. Not for perfection in the journey, just that he chose to make it to the end. He chose to believe in the plan. So what is our response in this? I believe it's this, that the promises of God require your yes, because they already have heavens. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God, this is in the Revised, just for you, Dad. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why we utter the Amen through Him to the glory of God. It is the glory of God. It is God's glory on you to utter a yes to what God has already said yes to. Heaven has already said yes to your promises. They're in you. They're fulfilling. He says, I'm doing it, and they're in you. Heaven has already said yes. 
Our amen is so be it. Our yes to you. They're yes and amen. They're yes and yes. It's our partnership to get to say yes. The seeds in you right now, they're waiting for your yes. Heaven has great desires of transformed nations. People, your neighbors, your family members, your work co-workers. They have, he has this great desire and he's waiting for your yes. Your yes, first of all, in belief. And your actions will always then match your beliefs. See, we've taught evangelism the wrong way. We've taught people they should evangelize when we've got to teach them they've got to believe that God actually loves the person. If you believe that God loves the person, you will evangelize. It's the overflow. And God is wanting us to be a people who see what He's doing and then give our yes to it. It's interesting, Dad, that you mentioned the Scripture about being faithful and little today. Because I actually believe that promises fall right in that category. It is, our, it is our honor to be faithful when it's just a promise, the little. God wants to give us the more. But he's saying, will you be faithful with just the promise? Will you be faithful in the little? Will you be faithful when it's hard? Will you be faithful when the enemy is standing all of hell against it? Why? Because he's terrified of your promise. Will you be faithful in the little? And if the Lord, if you answer yes, and Jesus is yes, then all of a sudden what you're going to find is you have more. The promises of God being fulfilled. Oh, and by the way, Proverbs says the promises fulfilled are a tree of life for you. I'm going to end with a story, one verse, and we're done. Miracle. In Ukraine, I was just, I rode with Igor to the city called Kivarov. It's 44 kilometers away. That should take you about 35 minutes to drive. You know how long it took us? Two hours. Why? Because of the roads. The roads have not had a moment of repair since the 60s. So when you see down a straight road like this, all you see are potholes. The kind of holes that if you drive through, you will disappear. <laughs> Literally like little lakes. And I asked Igor, I said, I mean, I was exhausted watching him drive. I was like, there's never a moment you're like this. Not one moment. He says, oh, driving in America is lazy. But there, you are driving. And I asked him, I said, so what do you focus on? He said, the path through the holes. He said, the minute you look at the holes, you actually drive into them. He said, the minute you look, oh, that's a big one. Next thing you know, you're in it. But if you're in the path, you're seeing the path. And I believe that as, as God's people, we have so looked at all the challenges and so looked at all the disappointment and so looked at all the things that could even happen. Most of the things aren't even happening. You've already calculated them as it has happened. And, and we're like, oh, it's going to be so hard. And we immediately empower the devil. And we've got to look at the path. So turn to me, Psalms 106. This is an interesting one to end on. I promise we're almost done. I like 12. 106, 12 says this. Then they believed his promises and they sang his praise. I believe this. That's the power of God going into you when the promise comes. What happens? Celebration. Thankfulness. Adoration where we were at today. 
Next verse. A little more sad. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel or they did not wait for his plan to unfold. Whoa! His plan is unfolding in your life. Will you believe to the end? What happened? They forgot the promises. They forgot the moment when the power of God went in them to believe in the promise. They forgot the goodness of the promise. They forgot what it's going to look like for their children and grandchildren and their great-grandchildren to live in the land of milk and honey. They forgot that God split the Red Sea. They forgot that their shoes never wore out. They forgot they, they never lost the battle when they trusted Jesus. They forgot all those things. And what happened? They died in the desert before the planet unfolded. I know that's a little sobering to end with. I was going to do this earlier, but I believe this, that God is putting something in us today, a fresh belief system. And, and I wrote this down early, earlier this morning. The Word of God you may be looking for may already be in you. See, in a, in a culture that loves and respects prophecy, one of the most dangerous things we can do is be like, I need some new promises. Isn't that right, Ron? Give me some new promises. Just give me something to make me feel ready for today. And God's saying, I have old promises, seeds on the inside of you that will give you the same life as the moment they went into you. The moment you think of them and begin to celebrate who God is and the promise of what He has said to you, it will stir you to life. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. Now the easy thing for me to do would be up here and be like, okay, now stir up your promises. That's easy. That's in the natural. We can do, and I do, I want you to go home. I want you to write them down. I want you to write down the ones you think have passed and call them fresh again. I want you to write down the ones that you're holding on to and say, I receive the power today for those again. Like heaven on earth. I write them down and choose to believe again. But I believe this. The Lord told me, but the more important thing is, I'm coming to stir it today. I'm coming to stir the promises today on the inside of you. So I'm going to ask everyone just to lift your hands. And the Holy Spirit is coming. Actually, I feel like the Lord is asking me to do this. Just keep your hands raised for just a second. If there's some of you that just feel like the promises are totally dead in your life, I want you to come stand right here up front. This is not, this is not that you've been wavering. You just It's been hard. I'm going to tell you, it's still going to be credit to you as righteousness as you believe today. If there's anyone that just have had to say, I've just, the promises have seen so far away, I can't even imagine believing in them again. I believe there's more of you. Don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit's coming to blow life on all of us. And I just want to tell you the words of Jesus. They're not dead. They're just sleeping. They're not dead. They're just sleeping. I want to thank you for your courage coming up here right now. God's about to honor your courage. I'm going to give it just one more second because I believe there may be a few more. The courage to believe again. The courage to try again. I had a prophetic word for a young lady. I heard these three words. Try it. Dear, try again is exactly what I heard. When I said that to her, she started bawling. She had been not walking with the Lord for 12 years and she was choosing that weekend to try again. And I want to tell you, try again.
believe again. So just prepare your hearts because here comes the Holy Spirit. He's coming to breathe on your seed. The seed of the Word of God that's on the inside of you. The promises of heaven. The very promises of heaven. Let me just break off a lie. You're like, oh, I guess that prophet just missed it. No. Believe again. Believe again. Believe again. Let's believe big for our world, our nation, our region. Let's believe for our families. I believe there's someone in here that's believing for their marriage. And you're like, oh, that's nice. But if you just knew, I want to tell you, believe again. Believe again. I actually believe your spouse is having something happening in their heart right now as you just have a moment of the thought of belief. So we just say to the seeds, to the seeds that are in you of the promise of God, we say, first of all, to those up here, I just tell you, they're not dead. They're just sleeping. So awake. Awake to the seeds of God on the inside of you. We say to the promises and everyone here and everyone in this community of believers that's a pursuer of you, we say now life, go into those seeds. The atmosphere of life, the very atmosphere of belief, with the help of the Holy Spirit, not our own, just our own, our own faithfulness and pushing in, but we just say the help of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come now and power activate the seeds. Power activate our belief system. We say Holy Ghost endurance. That we would not be like those in Psalms 106, but we stay to the end. The plan of God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to end with this. I want you to see your seeds right now. The seeds that are on the inside of you. I want you to think of those words just for a moment. And I want you to call the plan of God in your life good. Some of us, have we've, we've seen the potholes. We haven't seen the journey through. And the key is the goodness of God. You're good. And your love endures forever. Come on, call His goodness. Use your mouth for a minute. Call His goodness over your seeds. Call His power. Call His love. We declare your goodness right now over your promises. They're yes in you and we give you our amen or our yes back. We give it to our partnership of yes. We call them good. We say the seed is good. We say it's going to bear hundredfold fruit in our lives. The Word of God is true and powerful and active. We just release now in this week the power of God to stir the seeds to life in you. To believe again. I'm going to say it one more time. Write them down. Write them down. And as you pen to paper, belief's going to come flowing out of your hearts. So we say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to your word in our life. We say yes to fulfillment of promises. We say we will eat from the tree of life. We will eat from fulfilled promises, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray with you this morning. Um, If you're still just up here stirring, we'd just love to lay hands on.